The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hey, it's Thursday, and it's our turn. Broadcasting the boys right here on the Blogging the Boys Network. I am Ari Temkin. You can follow me on Twitter at Ari Sports, Roy White on Twitter at RDub3. We also both have YouTube pages under the same names. We'd encourage you to subscribe to those pages as well, get some good Cowboys content. But, Roy, I mean, it's Thursday, which means that not next Thursday, but the Thursday after that, there will be National Football League football on my television somehow some way that's what i'm told and that's what the schedule makers say um calendar seems to indicate as well we do have a game scheduled for that thursday night so not next thursday not a week from today but a week from today a week from today Mm -hmm. (laughs) two Mm -hmm. weeks from today and uh of course that'll see the chiefs open the season which Everybody will be tuned into and very excited about, very excited to see what Patrick Mahomes has in store for all of us. Uh, For those locally in the DFW area, we're actually going to get a little football on our television screens this upcoming Sunday, Ari. Yeah, with the Cowboys um, scrimmage, with the blue and white scrimmage. scrimmage will be broadcast. uh, I believe they're going to stream it on DallasCowboys.com. So I would highly encourage you checking that out. If you don't have anything else to watch, and quite frankly, what would you watch? Because sports kind of at a standstill right now. Uh, Either way, we won't get any type of organized football game until two weeks from today. So with that being said, I think this Sunday is kind of every Cowboys fan's opportunity to soak up as much of that sweet, sweet pigskin as you can. So I want to get into what we could potentially see in the NFL based on what transpired last night in the NBA and throughout Major League Baseball. But it seems kind of stupid to be uh, to be doing this blue and white scrimmage on on essentially national TV or uh, on the interwebs. There was um, there was a recent interview on SiriusXM, or I, I I can't remember exactly where it came from, but it was basically talking about how the NFL right now is, you know, you basically have front office executives, scouts, advanced scouts, college scouts that are following social media accounts of NFL teams to, to try to sift through who's playing well, who's not playing well, like they would be normally doing by watching preseason games, but they can't do. 
So this just gives more layers for teams to see what the Cowboys are doing and then and then potentially pluck their players from their roster if they cut them. Yeah, I was actually a friend of the show, David Hellman, who we had on just a week ago, that tweeted out at least who I was the first one to see that news being tweeted out about. And then he promptly began to tweet how all the Cowboys players had been doing horrible in practice and most teams should have no interest in signing them. Um, it'll be interesting to see wh- whose opinion they hold in high regard then uh, from that standpoint, because as we played a week ago and as we plan to play on the podcast today, the game of does it matter will put several media tweets under the spotlight, and depending on which ones these personnel people follow – they could find themselves perhaps in a, a misevaluation situation of sorts. Yeah. Um, yeah, just to, to echo what I was you know, stumbling through, uh, basically um, the, this is specifically about the Bills, and, and the tweet is from a story without preseason tape and the other 31 teams. The Bills have turned to Twitter and following beat reporters to get intel on potential cut candidates across the league. Pretty crazy. So the Cowboys are just putting on a nice platter for them. Hey, come watch our our blue and white scrimmage. See who does well. It's right there for you. DallasCowboys.com. Log on. Get it. Well, I I will say this. I don't think it's any secret that the Cowboys are going to be cutting good football players from this team. (laughs) Good point. And that is probably (laughs) something that, you know, maybe their willingness to showcase some of those talents to the entire league and to those of us who are starved for football, quite honestly, it's in part – well. Let's be frank. The majority of the reason they're even doing that is because Jerry Jones can take all of that revenue and pocket it it himself. I'm going to assume that the Cowboys can at least make some substantial money based on the numbers they're likely going to expect and project for this type of situation. In fact, we'll probably see numbers like we have never seen for a Cowboys blue and white scrimmage game. And there'll be people watching this game that aren't even Cowboys fans that are Some just of them Bill scouts for an opportunity at football. And sure, a couple of Bill scouts will be, will be watching as well. But again, I, uh, Daddy, with, with a team in the past of the Dallas Cowboys, I might have worried that another team would swoop in and grab one of the players that the Cowboys misevaluated. But when it comes to this team, and we've talked about it before, the depth seems so cut and dry right. that it kind of makes sense that they'll lose a good player or two, especially along the defensive line. Uh, but hopefully they'll, they may have an opportunity to pick one up in the secondary. Who knows? So the, the, part, the uncomfortable part of this entire discussion is, and I say uncomfortable, I mean that only from a standpoint of people that, want to tune into sports coverage and get specifically only sports coverage who are now being forced out of that comfort zone because, well, because sports are stopping essentially right now um, because of that exact thing, basically. Like, you only want to pay attention to sports? Well, then we're not going to give you sports. That's what the Milwaukee Bucks and then the NBA eventually did last night, some Major League Baseball teams as well. Um it's hard to project what this means for sports in 2020 because, I mean, my God, what a crazy year this has been. 
um, makes in wildfires, a hurricane. And I mean, my goodness, who knows what else is coming in 2020? Yeah. But Be Roy, safe, I mean, all those folks in Louisiana and Houston. Yeah. I mean, do you think that this is something that will, will, will take over in the NFL? Especially because this is really where that discussion started. This is four years to the day that Colin Kaepernick knelt for the first time. Yeah, yesterday was the four-year anniversary of that specific moment. And it was pointed out by a lot of folks that if you're looking at it just from the standpoint of what have we accomplished since Colin Kaepernick first took a knee against police brutality and racial injustice in the United States, you could make the case that we have not improved one iota. The difference at that time and around that time and shortly after that time in how the NFL handled it, I think is going to be drastic from how the NFL handles it this time around. There's hee-hawing, especially from our own front office organization and Jerry Jones specifically, about how he's going to approach this situation with quote-unquote grace. Well, I hope he's got a, a large helping of grace because two weeks from now, we will lace up for a football game and I have no doubt that the situation that has been permeating throughout this week that took place in Kenosha, Wisconsin, is going to be one that is on the front of players' minds when they step on a football field. I, I really do think it will, it will be different. In what context? In what way? Do you think players... that, that they won't play? you think they'll boycott is, is, is what's happening in sports? I think there's a possibility of that. I do think there's a possibility of that because they will finally, I think a part of NFL players and specifically the NFLPA, while they always have a difficult time all getting on the same page, right? Because they come from so many different backgrounds, so many different lifestyles, uh, so many different upbringings and so many different like philosophical beliefs. Uh, They do always have a hard time seeming to come together But in this instance, in this moment, I do believe we will see something different. Mm -hmm. And I think they will take their cue from what the NBA has done, from what the players in Major League Baseball has done. There could be some pressure. Even in a small league like the MLS, that players were actually able to wield their power in a way that could get the games canceled or get the games postponed – the NFL players have to be seeing that taking place too, and they have to understand the type of power that they have once we get to the regular season. They may not have much power in the offseason, if any at all, because the owners don't care. They don't have right. an opportunity to make any money. But if the players and the NFL players can hit them in the pocketbook in, in the form of a lost game or two, that could be significant. Yeah. And, I mean – who knows how the rest of the NBA will play out? I mean, if if the NBA playoffs and finals were supposed to go head to head with the, you know, with the NFL, which we've obviously never seen before, 
which would have been a very interesting dynamic. Like you, you, you wonder if that will apply pressure to NFL players because I mean, if you basically forfeit an entire postseason for the NBA for the sake of this, you know, then, then why, if you're the NFL, would you proceed? Do you think we'll see anything different this time around? Without question. I mean, already the way that it's been handled by the NFL and NFL owners is significantly different. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's without question, it, it will be different. The question is whether or not, like, I mean, but the difference doesn't matter because, I mean, look what the NBA did. I mean, they had Black Lives Matter on the, on, literally on the court. They had, they had the, you know, equality yeah. and slogans written in the back of jerseys. And here we are back to the same place we were when George Floyd was killed. It right. seems. You're absolutely right. And perhaps that's why players in NBA locker rooms decided to make phone calls to attorney generals in their specific state. I know that took place in Milwaukee. The Bucks held a conference call with the attorney general in Wisconsin to discuss the situation but up to this point, outside of really one player within the Dallas Cowboys by the name of Dontari Poe, I've not gotten any indication that the players in this locker room will be making any type of significant statement. Yeah. And that's not to say – that's not to condemn them for not doing so. Right, right. But up to this point – we have gotten zero indication. In fact, if we've gotten anything, we've gotten more indication that nothing new will take place from the Dallas Cowboys organization because the only person that has spoken on it with any type of clarity is Jerry. And even he, while not being 100% clear on what he would tolerate, has made it clear what his own views are. And by doing so, that no doubt has an effect on how the players within this locker room, right or wrong, will approach the situation when they have the opportunity to step on the football field in two and a half weeks. Well said. I'm going to take a hard right turn. Let's do it. We have to at least get to this before we get to matters or does it matter. Mm -hmm. Should the Cowboys sign Earl Thomas? My initial reaction was yes, absolutely. Jump at the opportunity. Having had a chance to digest some of the things that the Cowboys front office has said about the move, some of the things that the head coach has said about the move and being concerned about how much it might disrupt team chemistry and how important that was, uh, the chemistry within the locker room, I would still say go out and get Earl Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> because talent does not grow on trees. You can find good locker room guys anywhere. And when you have a good locker room, you can bring troublemakers into it and mold them into the type of player that you might like them to be. Now, in the Cowboys case, I can understand why fans would be apprehensive about it based on how the last decade of Jason Garrett experiences with those types of players 
has gone. But I would argue that the circumstances here are significantly different for several reasons, the biggest of which is that Dak Prescott is the unequivocal leader in the locker room on the offensive side of the ball, and Demarcus Lawrence is the unequivocal leader on the defensive side of the ball. Neither of those two players, heart, determination, or willingness to sacrifice for their teammates are in question. Hmm. And because of the examples that they set, I believe that they're, the type of precedence they set and the example that they set and the quality of players that they are would have everybody else fall in line. And I yeah. think Earl Thomas would fall right into that line if he was given an opportunity to do so. So I, I think, one, I agree with you. You know, th- this is a strong enough locker room from a leadership standpoint to be able to sort of, you know, handle this, quote unquote. I, to me, it's pretty simple. Does Earl Thomas think that he's made mistakes? Does Earl Thomas take, is he complicit? Is he taking responsibility? Like if I'm, if I'm Steven, if I'm Mike McCarthy, if I'm Jerry, I'm calling him up, I'm going on Zoom and saying, hey man, tell me, tell me what's going on here. Like, did you make, did you make a, have you had an issue? What happened in Baltimore? Is this your problem? Is this, you know, because you can tell when somebody is genuinely sorry and genuinely feels like what they did is wrong, and 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 vice versa. Oh no, I this this guy just he was just bugging me, and you know what? I'm trying to. I mean, and if he's like that, then then you don't sign him. You you need a guy that's willing to admit that he's made a mistake, because if he's not, then he's no good to you in your locker room, and. Like that's line one for me in terms of like how is he going to be for this locker room? See if see if he's willing to admit that he's made a mistake. Because if not, then no, I'm not signing him. I will also say this: the longer he stays in the open market, the more likely the Cowboys are to sign him. Because the, this is what the Cowboys do: they're not going to sign him top of the market money. This, this they're going to wait for the money to come down and then they're going to pounce. But again, I think that's all contingent upon like, do you think you made a mistake, Earl? Because I, I'm buying it if it's a, you're a victim of circumstance once, but this is not. This is a this is habitual behavior that tells me it's not just. This is not a one-off. This is this is a pattern of behavior that tells me that he's got issues and he's got to admit that he's got these issues, and that's the only way that I'm willing to sign him. And the incidents you're referring to are, well, the, the what happened to him in Seattle, obviously at the end of Seattle, um, uh, and not even uh, just the flicking off of the sideline, but the going to the Cowboys and constantly lobbying against the Seahawks. And you know, holding the Seahawks hostage. And then okay. There's the, there's I the, thought you would re- be referring to punching a teammate in Baltimore. Uh, at two. That safety also, teammate. Uh, that also. And then you know, subsequently, basically being voted off of the team. I mean, that that's skipping know. a practice because he had to get his car washed. Yeah. I mean, and this is to make nothing. Of, you know, not even to mention the brotherly love situation he had uh, this offseason. Yeah, nothing criminal about that. Embarrassing. Nothing, right. Uh, nothing weird. criminal. Nothing criminal. Weird. But, again, to me, it's just like this is this is habitual behavior by Earl Thomas that tells me that, like, he's got to admit that he's in the wrong because if he doesn't, then he's he's going to continue to make these – he's going to continue to make mistakes. That may be true, and certainly – you would not sign him sight unseen. You would have to have a sit-down conversation. And Jerry has alluded to the idea that he would at least be willing to have that conversation, even though Ian Rappaport and the NFL Network have reported that people inside the Cowboys organization are not going to consider Earl Thomas 
as a potential option here. I think your assessment of their wait and see approach is going to be 100% accurate. In fact, I wouldn't see them making a move before this weekend yeah. because in their minds, they're going to get a look at the players who they think can fill the position. And in somewhat surprising fashion, the guy who seems to lead the group in that category is not new signee haha Clinton Dix, but rather Darian Thompson. Mm. Who I believe you and I had off of our 53 man roster did. when we were working on the back end of the secondary. We did. I think we also had Jamal Adams in that roster though, did we not? Uh, we made provisions for him to potentially be <laughs> traded for, but I think the safety of mention that I threw in there, um, who I have not heard a lick of news about, is uh, Luther King. Yeah. Yeah, that's that was probably a regional mistake by us to make him. Excuse me, what Luther uh, Kirk? And uh, yes, I knew you were. So you know, I knew it wasn't right. I just didn't know. Luther King would be a great name, though. We're just missing yeah. Martin. Yeah, forget about him. Uh, that was wishful thinking. We all try to make some fun predictions. And but don't forget about Martin Luther King. Do they not don't about him. work out. Does it surprise you though um, that HaHa Clinton Dix is not being as utilized with the first team defense as maybe we all thought he would be upon signing? I certainly thought that he would be the front runner to win the position battle, and certainly in a year when you weren't going to get a lot of reps against high-quality talent, certainly not in a preseason format. Look, I thought the team would go with the veteran option over the young up-and-comer who, quite frankly, we've not really seen very much from in the regular season. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. If HaHa Clinton Dix is not starting day one, then that says more about HaHa Clinton Dix than it does about Darian Thompson. I, I mean, look, maybe Darian Thompson has taken this just unbelievable jump, but I mean, Darian Thompson, Xavier Woods, like they, at this point, they kind of are what they are. You know, I, you're, you're just not going to all of a sudden have this elite safety. You know, like it's just not going to happen. It just and and you know, the Cowboys just don't give a lick. About safety, Stephen Jones does not care. He doesn't. He he does not care about safety. 
So, like, on the one hand, I'd like to be optimistic about their chances to sign Earl Thomas. On the other hand, it's like they don't care about safety. So if there's even, like, a question, a shadow of a doubt, there's not, they're not going to sign him because they just are not interested at all in upgrading that position. And I think, you know, if anything derails this season, it's going to be that. It's going to be their secondary and, and just a lack of faith in it. Um, it's funny, though, you mentioned the Darian Thompson thing. I thought you, that's where you were going to go to the does it matter or not matter conversation. Like, I, I thought that's where you were going with it because it's like, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm just, well, I, have I guess I'm not buying it. That, I have several bullets in that chamber. Nice. Before we get to it, I need to debut the new theme song for it. So don't, don't get too ahead of yourself there. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, um, I had him within that conversation and I, I'm interested, though, at the point that you made about, Steven and the Cowboys not valuing safeties. I, I agree with that point, but again, was that a Cowboys philosophy or was that a Jason Garrett philosophy? Because by all accounts, based on the limited information that media members are allowed to give us, the morsels that they've given us, this defensive front seems to look drastically different or seems to want to look drastically different than the fronts of the past. So why would we assume that? Well, that's that's fair, but I just I mean they didn't do anything in the draft to address safety. I mean the only person that they entertained in free agency was Haha Clinton Dix, and I'm like I'm sorry to break this to everybody. Haha Clinton Dix has a different name, and he's better in some ways. But he's not much of an upgrade, if in any way, than Jeff Heath. Like, I'm sorry to break that to people. Hawkland Dix misses a ton of tackles. He's going to whiff a ton. Now, he does have a lot more upside in terms of the the interceptions and fumbles. Like, he, he can create turnovers and stuff. And that's, again, I think he's an area where he is better than Jeff Heath. But, like, I I, I think even, even though you're right, their, their philosophy has shifted on the defensive line, and perhaps even in free agency on the defensive line, I just think it's pretty consistent with Steven. Like, he believes the defense is built front to back. And I think this offseason is a good example of that not being just a Jason Garrett thing. Fair point. And I would agree that the front of this Cowboys unit is significantly stronger and more formidable than the back end. Yeah. And, and by the way, if if Derry Thompson beats out HaHa Clinton-Dix as a starting safety, then you, you'd rather have Jeff Heath there than HaHa Clinton-Dix. And that's a it's a horrible thing to say. Blasphemous. <laughs> like that's right. painful to hear. <laughs> Should we get to your theme, your new theme song? Are you ready? Are you, are you gonna sing it? Does it matter? Does it matter? Does it matter? Tell me, does it matter about the Cowboys at all? Yeah. <laughs> I never realized how beautiful of a singing voice you have. Thanks, brother. Used to You're do like, that in a production studio where they had a nice microphone and a muffler to make my voice sound just right. Uh, but I basically Buddy Holly. That. You're basically Buddy Holly, but with, with blonde hair. Well, let's jump right into it then, shall we? Uh, <laughs> yes. Our first noteworthy business from the past week of Cowboys practice comes from one Ezekiel Elliott, who was asked by reporters what he had been focusing on this offseason, Ari. 
He told them that he spent the entire offseason simply working on route running, working on the outside, working with his hands, catching the ball away from his body. Ezekiel Elliott claims that the majority of his offseason work, despite being one of the best running backs in the NFL over the past several seasons in moving the ball on the ground, spent his entire offseason working with his hands to catch passes out of the backfield. Ari, does it matter? Yeah. I want to say no, like really badly, really badly. However, it does matter because athletes, no matter what sport you play, you always need to improve on the areas in which you have flaws. And look, I don't expect the Cowboys have enough pass catchers that I don't need Zeke to be an elite pass catcher. But I, I in, in this West Coast style of offense, he's going to be a safety valve. He's going to be needed underneath when plays don't develop down the field underneath to catch balls. I mean, you saw that a ton with the running backs in Green Bay with Mike McCarthy was there. And I, even though he's probably changed, I think that's one area that they will be consistent. So, look, if you're an athlete, you're constantly going to be looking at the ways in which you need to improve and then improve upon those things. And so, I mean, I, I, I don't know that there's anything in Zeke Elliott running the football that he needs to improve upon other than, you know, quote-unquote durability. The guy's durable as hell, but he's just going to get older and he's going to take more hits and it's going to be harder for him to be durable. That's just the natural evolution of, of the running back position. So, I really want to say this doesn't matter, but it does. This does matter. Here's why I disagree with you. <laughs> Whatever he did this offseason is all well and good, but until we see it manifest itself on the football field, it will not matter. Right. It might be enough to convince the coaches to give him more opportunities early on this season to line up on the outside and potentially create mismatches. But if he's unable to do it at an elite level, and I don't foresee Zeke being able to do it quite like a Christian McCaffrey or a Le'Veon Bell, uh, if he is unable to do it at an elite level from a route running standpoint in the early going, I think they will abandon it. Mm. So, all the and, and they have a running back that's very capable of doing that, by the way. Bingo. They have another option that's not only very capable, I would argue Zeke would have significant work to do to yeah. get to the level of Tony Pollard's ability as a pass-catching receiver out of the backfield, especially, but also one that can line up on the outside. So while it is nice to hear that Ezekiel Elliott is looking to add to his arsenal – if he drops a pass or two in the early goings of the season, I think that will be enough to shatter and shake the foundations of faith that the coaching staff might have built up with him in this portion of their preparation for the season. And thus, it may wind up not mattering at all. So I agree, Cowboys fans. If I were to ask you what are some of the most hype-worthy news nuggets from the Cowboys preseason training camp. Oh, and there's a lot. I would there's argue that picking. this is amongst them. Yeah. It is hype worthy, but 
in terms of substance. I don't believe it does matter. But you do agree that in order to get better at things that you're not good at, you probably should work on those things. Like you're not going to get better at it by not working on them. I'll concede that point. <laughs> you can't just wish you were better at catching footballs. <laughs> I'll, I'll concede it. Um, there are instances, though, where you can do another activity and get better at something without specifically doing that activity, right? Yes. Um, can't think of any off the top of my head right now, <laughs> but I'm sure they'll come to me. All right, what else we got? Are you ready for the next installment of Does It Matter? <laughs> yes. The Cowboys' defensive line has been doing some interesting things over the past week, especially since the news that Gerald McCoy would be done for the season. Uh, we've gotten indications and in different notes that both Everson Griffin and Alden Smith have lined up on the outside as well as on the inside. We've gotten word that Tank Lawrence has lined up on opposite ends of the field than the side that he is typically comfortable with on the left-hand side. Uh, we've gotten word that he has lined up in the interior gap positions, the two gap, not necessarily the one and the three, but the Cowboys may be rushing the two and, 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 and the zero a couple of times this season. So does it matter that the Cowboys are utilizing their defensive linemen all over the place in preparation for the regular season? This is another one. That, so this is one that I want to say yes. Yes. Yeah. Give me everything. Give me all of it. However does seem like a lot of window dressing here, you know? And look, I I am very excited that this is not the same old win one for the Gipper, line up and beat him and knock your guy down kind of defense that we've seen. But I also, like, you know what a combo guard is in the NBA? Mm -hmm. You can't run the point, you can't shoot. So you're mm -hmm. both, you know? Like, you can't do either of them. So you're both. You know, it's just hard to be both and and what i mean by that i mean that that's that's a very overly simplistic way to say like they've just got to figure out what they can do based on the personnel that they have and their best personnel and not be doing you know two gaps and one i mean they it's just it's just a lot because you've got i mean you want to have bulk of your guys to run that two gap right they got to eat up blocks whereas in the one gap you want neville gallimore who's just more athletic and getting up field and he's not going to be you know, a two-gap kind of guy. He's just not going to. So it's like I, I just don't want, like, Neville Gallimore or guys that are more athletic and undersized to be rushing, the, you know, to be trying to take up multiple blockers in the interior of that uh, that defensive line. It just, like, the idea here is let's marry our the skill set of our players with the scheme that we have and and not, you know, like, well, we just want to be so multiple that we can have all these guys that do that because they just don't have the personnel along their defensive line to be that multiple. Yeah, see, I think this is one of those, this absolutely does matter to me. You want to know why this matters to me? Because it signals a change in philosophy that, again, we can point to directly with Mike McCarthy's influence. He wants to get the best football players on the football field at the same time. And he's looking to create creative ways in which to do that. 
Now, I think if we were all stepping back, based on the reports we've seen from Alden Smith, who looks like he could be a front runner for comeback player of the year, based Maybe on the reports, the second coming of Lawrence Taylor. Yeah, boy, that's optimistic, but I'm, I like it. I say you've been reading the same things I have. And uh, Demarcus Lawrence up. and Everson Griffin obviously look like standout defensive players, and yet those three guys are all, by nature, edge rushers. Are you in your best defensive position if one of those three guys is on the sidelines? I don't think so. And yet, the old Cowboys coaching staff, I would have assumed, would have always kept one of those three guys on the sidelines, regardless of what capabilities they might have as an interior rusher. If you have the opportunity, in my mind, especially on a third down situation where you know these guys have the opportunity to pin their ears back. I'm not advocating running Everson Griffin, Alden Smith, and Demarcus Lawrence out there on first and second down. But if that is an option for you on third and 10 or third and seven, I love that option as a defensive coordinator. And I love that option from a defensive schematic standpoint because I might feel comfortable just rushing those three guys and letting them try to wreak havoc, and given my secondary, who is a little bit undermanned, one extra guy to work with in coverage. Mm. I think I, that does matter, Ari. I, I, I'm kind of in the middle here because I'm, I'm a little worried in some, in some ways about the defense from like a standpoint of are they trying to do too much. And, but I, I think you're right. It obviously indicates that this is a different era of Cowboys football based on the coaching staff and the – you know, the ability to be multiple and malleable, but we already knew that. We knew that. I mean, we know that this coaching staff is so dramatically different than the previous administration that we didn't exactly need this to be another example of it, but it was. And I, I, th- I think the name of the game is, like, adjust, but don't constantly adjust at the, for the sake of adjusting. You know what I mean? Like, you, you want to adjust within a game if you need to, but over the course, what you need to do is game, install a game plan on defense that might be different than the prior week, and, and it obviously forces teams to not really understand what you're trying to do schematically, but like, don't, I don't know. I, I just, I'm, I'm worried about there being confusion because they're trying to do too many things. And this isn't like an elite level defense. You know, they just need the defense to not mess up. They just need the defense to not get in the way of the offense. True. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll agree on one of these, one of these, one of these times. Well, we've talked about that before. The defense needs to be complementary to the offense. They right. don't need to be spectacular. They don't need to win. Well, hopefully they won't be asked to win too many games by themselves. But Oh, God, no, hopefully none. But they need to be complementary to this offense, and I think they can certainly be that. Uh, it is exciting, on, though. I'll give, I will concede that. Like, it's exciting that it's like, wow, they're, they're doing different things and not just like, we, it's about execution. We just got to execute. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with you. Um. Other reports we've gotten from Cowboys camp in this edition of Does It Matter? Sean Lee still working on the sidelines with trainers. Cautious approach by the Cowboys front office to make sure that the likes of he and guys like Tyron Smith are ready to go come week one or legitimate cause for concern. And does it matter? that they're spending all this time on the sidelines 
prior and not with their teammates on the field. Wait, so you started with Sean Lee, and then you, you threw in Tyron Smith. So. Well, I did throw in Tyron Smith because we, yeah, we'll just keep it with Sean Lee for now. Okay, no, so no. You can edit that out. With all, with all due respect to Sean Lee, who I absolutely adore, uh, no, it does not matter. Like, anything this guy gives you is extra. Anything. Anything this guy gives you is extra. I just think they they are we created... there with Sean Lee already? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, Jalen Smith's getting rave, rave reviews out of camp. I already, you know, that was my biggest concern in terms of their linebacking core. I think Leighton Vanner is going to be a stud. You know, they've got young players coming up the pipe. We've obviously heard good things about Francis Bernard, who knows he could make the team. Luke Gifford, you know, so I love that Sean Lee's still on this team. I'd love to see him play on Sundays. I don't think it's of much consequence in any way if he plays or doesn't play. So I'm no. actually going to agree with you. I don't think it matter. matters either. I don't think he'll make a significant enough impact on this season. He might. Uh, if he does, it'd be a great story. I suppose that's a little unfair. I think Sean Lee is always good for a Sean Lee signature game once a season. I think he can give us one of those. But outside of that, I agree with you. I think he's going to be just a nice piece to be able to rotate in, not one that you can necessarily rely on on a regular basis. Um, but I do think he'll be ready come week one, and I'm not overly concerned about his work on the sidelines because at this point you kind of just expect it from him, right? Yeah. My final addition in Does It Matter, Ari? Does it matter? I couldn't get the tune. I love I it. The, couldn't get the tune down. I was trying to join you the whole time, but CeeDee Lamb it. scored three touchdowns. Yes. In yes. the team's yes. red zone work against yes. the defense. Everything CD Love does everything CD Lab does matters. Everything. Vegas. How much water does he drink? Over Who's he under talking to? Touchdown total. What's he eating? Four and a half. <laughs> Sorry. Does it matter? Yes. It matters. Well, I, you didn't even finish. I'm sorry. What? what Does what? it matter? Wait. Okay. So CD Lamb had three touchdowns. He had three touchdowns in the red zone portion of the Cowboys' offense, uh, working against the defense in 11 on 11 drills. That's really all I got. And you said the over under from that Vegas. Was Tuesday's practice. Over under Vegas is how many touchdowns for him this year? Four and a half. God, that's so weird. Vegas knows. Right, so like, oh, he'll blow that away, and then we'll get to the end of the season. It'll be like four touchdowns. Like, like that's it's crazy. Uh, I think CD Lab's gonna have a tremendous year this year. Um, I don't know what that looks like from a statistical per- perspective. I mean, this is a offense with a lot of mouths to feed, and you know, I, I, it's just rare for thousand-yard rookie receivers, especially given like this isn't a team that needs a guy to emerge at the number one wide receiver position. You know what I mean? Like. So, um, but he is so much fun and he is so good. And I mean, like, I don't need him to do this in training camp to know this. I watched him play football at Oklahoma last year and he's mm-hmm. just, he, he's incredible. He should have been the first receiver off the board. He wasn't. <laughs> so anything CD Lamb, anything CD Lamb does matters. I kind of agree on this one as well. I think it does matter that he was so spectacular in red zone work because 
I think there's a good chance be the number one target inside the 20s. And that doesn't think so. That's not to say that Amari Cooper won't lead the team in targets throughout the season as the number one wide receiver. I think that's fairly solid considering the contract and considering his repertoire with Dak in years past. And that's not at all to take anything away from Michael Gallup, who, again, is coming off of a spectacular 1,000-yard season himself. But I think because C.D. Lamb is going to be lined up more so on the inside in three wide receiver formations, I think that becomes a more comfortable throw for Dak Prescott when he gets closer to the end zone. Uh, You know, that was typically a place where Jason Witten might like to work. Well, now Blake Jarwin's in there, hopefully providing a little bit more spacing in that area because we know what Witten was. He was the Y option. He was five yards up the field or three yards up the field and either turn or, you know, take a move to one side. Well, Blake Jarwin can clear a guy out of the middle so C.D. Lamb can work. I just think that I know it's just red zone work and practice, and I know it's just um, guys feeling things out, but I really think that there's a good chance that C.D. Lamb leads this team in touchdown catches. Maybe not necessarily in catches, but in touchdown catches because I think he is their most viable threat in the red zone. I'm going to make a prediction. I'm going to make a crazy prediction here. CeeDee Lamb's first NFL touchdown will not be a touchdown reception. Punt return? Punt return or handoff? Or an end around? CeeDee Lamb's first NFL touchdown will not be a touchdown reception. Or, you know, is he going to toss one? (laughs) A Dak? No. That's going to happen in the Super Bowl, Roy. Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> Roy White, Ari Tepkin. Follow Roy on Twitter at rdub3. Follow me on Twitter at Ari Sports. And, of course, follow all the great work, all the great writers and podcasters you're doing at the Blogging the Boys Network, bloggingtheboys.com. Go check it out. Of course, it's probably your homepage uh, on Google Chrome. It's certainly mine. Go check out all the great stories, all the great writers, all the great stuff coming out of bloggingtheboys.com. But for now, Roy, leave the people with something. Sometimes you hate talking the heavy stuff, but you got to get to it because some things are more important than sports. But we certainly appreciate you guys coming here anyway to hear what we have to say, uh, what we think on these subjects. And, hey, go Cowboys. Love you all.